Hello, and welcome back to Sinister Sisters. Yay! I'm Kat. I'm Kat. <laughs> I'm Shrimp. And I'm joined by Shrimp today. Hey. Very fun and funky soapbox episode on this fine Sunday. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. How's life, Shrimp? How are we doing? It's finally warming up. And, um, that's good. When you live in Canada and it's minus 70,000 and the sun doesn't shine and... (sighs) Yeah. I casually missed the cold weather here when I went on my trip because it wasn't cold there. Can't relate, but I'm also glad it's warm. It's spring. Oh, you've jinxed it. Part one. It's spring part one. And then we'll have spring part two. We'll have winter part two. And then we'll have spring part two. And then we'll have winter part three. And And then then spring part three. And then we'll be good. Yeah. (laughs) So today is a soapbox episode. So we're talking about what I felt like talking about. And I did a hella deep dive into the decline in retail. We're on a bit of a, a retail kick or a mall kick, I feel like, recently. Fuck retail. Um, so the decline in brick and mortar retail and what could possibly be done to save the dying malls in North America. R.I.P. malls. R.I.P. malls, maybe. Question mark. I would sacrifice malls if there was a law that you had to be nice to people who work in retail. <laughs> Small sacrifice to make. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. We did talk about malls a little bit in our last episode, our last Soapbox episode. And I think we probably got on that tangent again about retail work sucking. Yeah. Um, we talked about it maybe last week maybe too, I think, last didn't we? Week. Yeah. Who knows? We have both worked We've talked in about it. We have both and worked in retail. Shit. For the 10th time. Anyway... <laughs> I think it's pretty common knowledge at this point that retail is dying, shopping malls are dying, and the retail atmosphere as we have known it in the past is on its way out. There are many, 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 many abandoned malls, or mostly abandoned malls, across North America. Especially, it seems, in the states, in like smaller suburban centers. For whatever reason, there seems to be lots of malls in places that cannot handle lots of malls and so they've closed down the causes of the death of the shopping mall if you will (laughs) are often chalked up to the growth of the growth of e-commerce the demise of the department store and the fact that during the 1990s developers very much oversaturated the suburbs with malls building new ones within miles of existing ones because everyone wanted to be at the mall in the 80s and 90s. It was a thing. It was a thing. To go to the mall. <laughs> Let's go. You've never seen How I Met Your Mother before, have you? I know that storyline, though. She was famous in Canada and she sang in the mall. Let's go to the mall Anyway. <laughs> watch How I Met Your Mother. Good show. No. I think the Robin character is a fun over-exaggerated depiction of a Canadian. Anyway. Holy lick, bud. 
some critics of the like the mall is dying discourse actually believe that the mall isn't dying it's just taking on a new form it's evolving in fact a report from june of 2021 actually found that the number of mall visitors across the united states was five percent higher than it was pre-pandemic so it looks like we're flocking back to the mall (laughs) post-pandemic Malls often will serve other purposes that the rise in online shopping really can't take take the place of. So mm. they often can be places to socialize, to gather as a community. My local mall actually houses the public library branch for our area of the city. And that in itself houses a ton of very important services like English classes for newcomers, groups for new mums to socialize. Um, career counseling, and and of course the obvious, the free access to books and to knowledge and access to computers and things like that. So I love the library. I think I've said this before, but um, at least once, at least once on the pod. Yeah, every five minutes at IRL. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I'm not even going to go into it. That could be a whole episode in and of itself about how important the public library is. Anyway, yeah, so the malls can definitely serve a different purpose, a more varietous purpose. So what we do know is that the landscape of retail settings has to change in order to appeal to new generations of shoppers. So in the past, in the 80s and 70s, 80s, 90s, the anchor stores used to be the main draw to the mall. So think places like Sears, Hudson's Bay, um, JC Penny in the States. Malls also typically offered free parking so that it would entice you to stay longer because you weren't worried about racking up a big bill. Mm. Unfortunately, anchor stores have been closing down at a pretty rapid rate in the past 15 years or so. So in Canada, we saw the closure of Zellers in 2013. RIP. RIP Zellers. Although she's making a comeback somehow, some way. <laughs> Zellers was a Canadian discount department store chain and it was owned and operated by the Hudson Bay Company on a side note for our international listeners the Hudson Bay Hudson's Bay Company is one of the oldest companies in North America it was originally founded as a fur trading operation in 1670 and their retail stores as they're known now are known as the Bay they might be officially named the Bay even I'm not sure. And they sell a pretty wide variety of products. So clothes, stoves, random decor items, Christmas chocolate, whatever you may need. (laughs) And they are typically housed in those like two and three story anchor store positions in malls. In the end, they bring in the traffic. They're very similar to Sears in the States, but I'd say they're a little bit more expensive, a little bit more upmarket. The Hudson Bay Company also owns Saks Fifth Avenue, which I thought was an interesting tidbit because I did not know that. I saw it. I thought it was a lie. I confirmed it. It is true. Bougie. Anyway, your Hudson Bay Company Um, side note. My side note for the Hudson's Bay Company is that it is literally so important in Canadian history that um, you learn about it in history class. Like, there is a whole entire section of a unit in grade 12 that is about Hudson's Bay. 
and the fur trading company that it was and what it has become, which is kind of wild. (laughs) Kind of wild. It was definitely a large force that led to the settling of the West in Canada. So, and the railroad and all of that. Anyway, that's also Thanks, a Hudson story Bay. for another day. Um, so, back to Zellers. At its peak, Zellers had more than 400 stores across Canada. It also offered this like really wide variety of products and services. I think I bought a Cabbage Patch doll there when I was a kid. And they also pretty often had restaurants, sort of like cafe, cafeteria style. And the one that we used to go to had a hair salon where I was once too shy to tell the hairdresser that she was burning my head. And so I left with a scalp that was crispy and painful and um, probably like third degree burned. <laughs> Exaggeration. But I was frightened to tell her that she was burning my head. And so I didn't. That's so funny. So we never went back there anyway. <laughs> I also remember that Zellers sold the Hillary Duff clothing line probably in like 2005 and that was very exciting very cool chic early 2000s clothing for children (laughs) zellers itself didn't actually die in like the traditional way it didn't entirely go under it was acquired by target in 2011 who transformed most of the older zellers locations into target canada locations and they started opening in 2013 R.I.P. Unfortunately, Target was incredibly disastrously unsuccessful in Canada for a variety of reasons, which again is a story for another day. But they closed down their Canadian um, like leg of their operations pretty quickly. The last store closed in April of 2015. So because Zellers itself was largely absorbed by Target in 2013, Zellers itself closing had a pretty minimal impact on shopping malls themselves it had a big impact on the hearts of canadians but that you know the shopping malls had the leases renewed with target and they didn't really care however when target closed that had a really large effect a lot of the stores sat empty for a long time Um, many years some even were still vacant in 2019 Some of them were absorbed by other large chains like Walmart and Canadian Tire, but, you know, many of them remained empty. Another major change to anchor stores that we've seen in Canada was the closure of Sears. This definitely had a very profound impact on Canadian malls. Um, Sears entered the Canadian market in 1952 as a joint venture with a Toronto-based department store called Simpsons. The Simpsons steer... Simpsons Spear. Oh my god, that's so hard to say. <laughs> the Simpsons Sears stores opened across Canada. They also had a national mail order business oh. that included the iconic Sears catalog and the, the Christmas wish, wish books. Book. Oh, the wish, the wish book! I can remember <laughs> getting the wish book as a kid, and um, for two whole years, I wanted it was like a baby stroller, but it had two seats in it, so you could have two babies in it the twins and and i like i used to fold down the corners of the pages that had things that i wanted on them yeah and i said to sinister mom all the time i was like i just want this two-seater push chair and um i didn't get it the first year i was like hello and i guess mom tried really really hard but it sold out 
Oh, and like no. they didn't have any but the second year i got it and it was as amazing as i thought it was gonna be it was pink Yay. camo mm-hmm. i just put the caps in it too probably yeah <laughs> do you remember when we just had the two boy dogs and they were puppies and they used to sleep yeah. in that little like baby Cot. crib thing yeah yeah oh doggy pies doggy pies anyway the wish book iconic You'd circle, you'd skip all of the adult pages. You're like, yeah, I don't want clothes. I don't want tools. I don't want a house in a box. I want toys. And you'd toys. circle all the toys in the toy mm-hmm. section. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Fantastic. I, I <laughs> would presume that the same thing happened in the States, though, as well. So American listeners, you probably know what we're talking about. It was beautiful. Anyway, <laughs> R.I.P. in 2000, R.I.P. Sears Wishbook, indeed. So in 2016, Sears Canada had 140 corporate stores, which included full line, aka department stores, Sears home stores, Sears outlet stores, and then they had 71 hometown stores, which were like smaller versions of the department stores in smaller markets, over 900 catalog and online merchandise pickup locations, 69 Sears travel offices, and a nationwide repair and service network. So they were massive. All across the country, everybody shopped at Sears, or ordered things from Sears, or whatever. Um, And then, seemingly out of the blue, I think, for Canadians, Sears Canada filed for credit of protection in June of 2017. And immediately they announced that they would lay off 2,900 employees and shut 59 of the stores. And then throughout 2017, they continued to announce store closures until on October the 10th of 2017, they announced that they were seeking court approval to shut the rest of the Canadian branch. The Ontario Superior Court granted this order, and on the 14th of January 2018, the final store Sears Canada store closed. So very quickly, within less than a year, they went from being grand to being completely shut down. The massive and sudden closure of Sears Canada stores led to a loss of nearly 12,000 jobs, and it left millions of square feet of retail space vacated. Sears in Canada, they not only had the retail locations, but they had a variety of warehousing, operations, call centers, all sorts of things as well in other cities. So it wasn't just retail employees who lost work. It was everybody, tons of people. A failure to move towards e-commerce was a pretty big reason why Sears failed and failed to hold the grasp on the Canadian market. They literally, like, I don't think they had a website until very late in the game. And they (laughs) focused on those catalog sales which became less and less appealing as you could mail order anything, right? With Amazon coming up and, mm-hmm. you know, other websites coming up, you didn't need to order something from a catalog anymore. You could type something into your web browser. It would pop up. You order it. You didn't have to flip and fold pages. <laughs> How did you even um, order things from the Sears Wishbook? Did you have, to have like a code? Yeah, and then I think you called. Or I think you could go into the stores and order it through like a desk there 
I think. That's archaic. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so in a very short span of time, less than three years, both the Target slash Zella stores and the Sears stores in Canadian malls closed down. Those two, whatever, three brands were very commonly used as anchor stores, especially Sears. So it really, um, Hudson Bay was the only real frequent anchor tenant still in like the traditional shopping mall. These closures also led to a pretty significant decline in sales at the smaller stores in the malls that they were in. <laughs> um, so some stores actually fought when Sears went under fought to invoke their co-tenancy rights, which essentially is rights that tenants have that when an anchor store leaves the mall, they're able to get rent reductions or even vacate their own space in the mall. Uh, the kind of major chain that was involved in this was The Gap. And they claimed that their inability to leave the malls or to enact these co-tenancy rights, or at the very least see a reduction in their rent, had cost The Gap about $1.75 million. Jeez. And also their, one of their other brands called The Children's Place lost nearly $200,000 per month. And this was a figure as of September of 2018. So, you know, just a few months really after Sears, Sears stores officially closed down. The Gap did actually end up closing uh, quite a few of their Canadian stores, but I wasn't actually able to find concrete information that pointed it to the closure of Sears or if it was just more of like a general decline in brick and mortar sales, you know, downsizing, restructuring. Mm. Old Navy actually was planned to split off. I think Old Navy was doing really well, and so they were planning to split them into two separate brands, but that didn't end up going through either, for whatever reason. Weird. Yeah. So, doom and gloom for the last, like, 10, 15 minutes, whatever. Mm. <laughs> so what's a mall to do? What are we to do to keep up with the times and revive malls and, and get back to, you know, lo loving being in the mall? For this, we need some imagination, and we need a little bit of help from Walt Disney himself. Ooh, no, he's a Nazi. <laughs> Probably. That's a story for another day, though, as well. We need some help from Mickey Mouse and his mouse tools. Yes, the Imagineers. Mm. Have you seen that like TikTok where it's like, Imagine doing all of the fucking schooling to become an engineer and then some idiot calls you an imagineer. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't. Mr. Disney. It's a terrible segue. Mm -hmm. uh, in the 1960s, the like Disney Corporation began the development of a shopping area called Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village. It was built, or was to be built, in the city of Lake Buena Vista, which is actually a subdivision that the Disney Corporation purchased from the city of Orlando. And it's very close, or at that time was very close to where Walt Disney World would be, and is now sort of like part of Walt Disney World. Walt Disney World, fun fact, falls on two cities. It's got its own improvement district or whatever. So it's a whole thing. It's massive. <laughs> Sheerly massive. That's um, fun. Yeah. 
Walt Disney imagined that Lake Buena Vista would be the city of the future. It was actually like the pre pre-planned phase of the Epcot, which was actually developed and became the city of the future. I don't know if you know much about Disney World, but no. he hoped to create Lake Buena Vista as this innovative community that would feature industry, commercial, residential, and recreational space that would be able to serve local residents, Disney employees, as well as Disney World guests. The shopping village was to sit between the Disney World Park and the city of Lake Buena Vista and would be highly accessible through a variety of transit options. Unfortunately, due to the deaths of both Walt Disney and his brother Roy and the resulting changes in like management at Disney Corporation, the residential aspect of Lake Buena Vista never quite came to fruition. What did come to fruition, however, was the shopping and entertainment district. So in 1975, the Lake Buena Vista shopping village officially opened near Village Lake. Originally, it housed merchandise locations and restaurants for park guests to enjoy. It was very much targeted towards park guests at this point. Hmm. The shops were themed, as you would expect, from a Disney location. Um, and they had a pretty wide variety of products. So toys, handmade artisan goods, kitchen accessories, Disney souvenirs. In the original opening, shops included the Pottery Chalet, which sold homemade pottery and offered daily demonstrations for guests to participate in. And Toys Fantastique, which was a toy story that had very detailed displays Hmm. of like these amazing toys and the character shop where guests could shop for souvenirs specifically based on their favorite Disney characters. Cute. Originally the shopping area was constructed to provide shopping and dining that was convenient for Disney world resort guests. And over time it went through a variety of changes and additions before it landed on a more cohesive shopping and entertainment district, which was branded under the name Downtown Disney in 1997. And this was much closer to Walt Disney's like original plan for the space. He didn't really want it to be just like a mall. He wanted Mm -hmm. it to be this kind of immersive experience. Downtown Disney actually even featured a specific adults-only area called Pleasure Island from Pinocchio. It's still themed. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) Pinocchio themed sex toys or what? No, like Pleasure Island is a place in the Pinocchio universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just have to lie. Yeah. And it gets longer. (laughs) Um, Jessica Rabbit was on the sign for a long time. And it Mm. was like something like it said Pleasure Island tonight. And then it was this big Jessica Rabbit. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So in the specific adults only area, whatever, Pleasure Island, it was opened in 18. Nope. It was opened in 1989. (laughs) And it had um, a few nightclubs, comedy clubs, restaurants, all that sort of thing. And the wonderful thing about it was that it was, you know, themed, well-planned and well-executed, just like the rest of the Disney park experiences. And it actually brought in business from 
Floridians, people who lived locally, and it wasn't specifically just park guests. It was a pretty popular place to go out. I'm going to include some pictures in the case file and on the screen here, if you're watching, of the theming in the in the in the venues. Very cool. Looks like a good time, and I truly think that this would do really well in like the modern era of the Disney adult. Yeah, like I would love to go to that. There's even a um, traveling nightclub event where they just play Disney music. It's called Be Our Guest. They just play Disney music. You jam out. People dress up. Like I think that that Disney should like really capitalize on that. Yeah. So Floridians, because they frequented the area, they mingled with park guests a lot, and it really brought people together in a way that they probably wouldn't have opportunities to do otherwise. Because Disney itself is very much like targeted towards families and children, if you were an adult, you probably potentially wouldn't go there by yourself without kids. But they did include, if you stayed on resort, basically like free babysitting. So parents could <laughs> take their kids to the park during the day, drop them off at the babysitter, and then go out in the evenings to enjoy Disney themselves. That's fun. Yeah, very. The Pleasure Island area remained popular through the early 2000s, and then it was closed down in 2008. Recently, downtown Disney area went through more rebranding. It's now called Disney Springs, and that Pleasure Island area was transformed into a more family-friendly entertainment district. So there's like movie theaters, a planetarium, space for concerts, things like that. It continues to attract local residents as well as tourists. So it's very popular among Floridians. I don't know how many times I can say Floridians in this Floridian. episode, but here we are. Floridian. They also have a state-of-the-art bowling alley and they often have live performances and live music. Recently, they've added fun, modern entertainment like uh, VR arcades um and a balloon ride over the complex cool the disney springs attracts millions of visitors a year it's open 365 days a year and it's accessible by car boat and bus and it is one of the most popular shopping destinations in the entire state hmm. so all of this is the same but i think that walt disney had it right the key to successful, in my opinion, the key to successful, the key to a successful commercial endeavor is to diversify. If Disney Springs was just a shopping center themed around Disney, who knows if it would be popular. I think that um, if it was just a shopping center, pretty unlikely that you would get a lot of locals in. It would remain much more like a tourist destination only. Disney's approach to retail and entertainment has been a major influence on the retail industry. And lots of shopping malls and theme parks have sought to emulate the success. None have been quite as popular. And so I know what you're thinking now. Like, duh cat, the reason why Disney Springs is so successful is because it's connected to Disney World, which is the most loved theme park or one of the most loved theme parks in the whole wide world. And it can never work anywhere else. You're stupid. 
Well, I'm here to say <laughs> that. <laughs> so I, I'm well aware that there's proximity and the connection to Disney World and the resorts definitely contributes to the success of Disney Springs. But I'm here to tell you that this concept of diversification is highly successful in other places, even in places that have very few other options in the way of tourist attractions. Such as the West Edmonton Mall, hmm. which is the maybe most or maybe second largest shopping mall in North America. Jury's out on that one. Hmm. It's located in Edmonton, Alberta, which is a fairly large city by Canadian standards with a metropolitan population in 2021 of about 1.4 million. This isn't essentially a baby city as far as the rest of the world is concerned, but there aren't many people in Canada, so that's a big city for us. I think it's the fifth biggest city in the country. Oh, baby Canada. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the West Edmonton Mall first opened in September 1981. At that point, it was essentially just a very large shopping mall. It had about 220 stores, and that was about it. At the time that the mall opened, the population in Edmonton was actually only about 500,000 people. So this was a very large mall to go into a very sparsely populated place. When it was built, it was the largest shopping mall in the world, I believe. Definitely in Canada. So massive. <laughs> so the second phase of the mall opened in 1983. And this added a skating rink and an amusement park called the Fantasyland, which was eventually rebranded as Galaxyland after a spat with the Walt Disney Corporation, coincidentally. <laughs> <laughs> Until 2021, Galaxyland was actually home to the world's tallest indoor roller coaster called the Mindbender before a larger roller coaster was built, and it has since been closed down as of like two weeks ago. They're putting something else in there now. Besides the point, phase three of the West Edmonton Mall opened in 1985. And this was a very large phase. <laughs> it added uh, quite a few new attractions. So the World Water Park, which has an indoor wave pool. They added an indoor lake, which is the largest indoor lake in the world still, with a replica of the Santa Maria ship, which was one of Christopher Columbus's ship. Fuck them. Yeah. It also, at the time of opening, the lake had three submarines, live dolphins, um, and dolphin shows. Mm. We don't approve. We don't approve. This phase also introduced a mini golf course. We approve. We approve. <laughs> <laughs> the Fantasyland Hotel was also added in around 1985, and that is a cool hotel. It has like themed guest rooms mm -hmm. of all sorts of weird themes. Like this one that's a Victorian carriage theme. <laughs> as you do. And your, be your bed's just inside the carriage. Um, that's cool as fuck. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> also one that has a stripper pole in it. And I was like, I cannot imagine renting that room and not feeling dirty. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, a lot of the themes actually are designed like for kids. There's like a truck theme one and like a, whatever. There's like bunk bedrooms and stuff like that. Also opening 
in this phase three 1985 run uh, was Bourbon Street, which is like a nightlife district and it's themed after New Orleans and like Mardi Gras themed. Um, so there's restaurants, nightclubs, comedy clubs, that sort of thing. Hooters. Hooters. I don't think it's there anymore. Oh. When we were in Edmonton it's that a- time, there was Hooters. Oh, yeah. Maybe just we went to Famoso Pizzeria instead. Mm. Also, 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 <laughs> in Phase 3, and in 1985, they opened Europa Boulevard, which was a replica of a Parisian street, essentially, uh, that was to feature more high-end shops and services. Um, it's kind of cool. It's very random, though. It's just like what because the mall's two floors, so it's just the top mm. floor, and it's just this. On the scale of the West Edmonton Mall, it's just this very small section. <laughs> it's like um, got building fronts. Again, I'll oh, insert some yeah. images. Yeah, it's cute though. The Doc I liked Martin those ones over there. It is cute, random, just random. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the West Edmonton Mall now features over 800 stores and services like i said including the theme park ice rink water park hotel there is a casino there is also a rec room which is like a giant arcade thingy um it is one of canada's most popular tourist attractions and draws millions of visitors per year while the west edmonton mall has definitely been affected by the decline in retail and closures of their major anchor stores. The mall has made a lot of efforts to adapt by diversifying its options and offerings. It continues to add more entertainment options and non-retail tenants. So in recent years, they've added a trampoline park, an escape room. There's a skate park in the West Edmonton Mall in the West 49. That's been there for a while, but like crazy. There's so much stuff in that mall. They have continued to update the mall itself as well. So they finished a facelift in 2021 and recently added a full car dealership. What kind of cars? Toyota. (laughs) So, you know. That's fun. Get a little luxury goods, eat my wings at Hooters, buy a car, car. go to the theme park, ride on a roller coaster, play in the arcade, go swimming. Like, there's literally so much to do. I've been there a few times. I've been there with you a few times. I've been with Skinny Boy a few times, with some friends. Like, you can spend multiple days there. It's fun. And we go there not to shop, because we're not necessarily shoppers. Maybe with you I shopped a little bit, but we do the things, the entertainment, but then we might pop into stores. You might see something as you're walking past on your way to the water park that you want to buy. And so that brings additional people into the actual like retail offerings in the mall. Hmm. I I just generally, genuinely, if you live anywhere nearby or you feel like flying into Edmonton, Alberta, it's a fun thing to do. Skinny Boy is obsessed with the water park. He loves it. I think he says it's like one of the best ones he's ever been to. It's warm. They keep it at 30 degrees or something like that, 29 degrees. Um, they also have raves in there a few times a year. Lots of fun. 
anyway. Ooh, Soundwave, like, right? Yes. This sounds like a literal ad for the West Edmonton Mall, but it's not. West Edmonton Mall sponsor us. Yeah. I don't like your water park. I've never been. Yeah. I can't swim. It's, it's fun. It is fun. I think I have some videos of last time I was there, so I'll include those in too if I can find them. Yeah. I can't swim either. It also has um a zip line, the water park. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. Do you zip What's line the into the water? No, over the water. Oh. But what if your hands Because it's slippery? in like a big glass dome. Yeah. You don't have to hold on to a zip line. They strap you in. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always right in time. <laughs> no. That's not the case. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, basically the water park is like they took the appeal of a pool mm-hmm. on a hot summer day and they brought it inside. So I feel that. like you're at a resort almost. Oh, there's also mm-hmm. windows on one of the store uh, one of the floors so you can look into the water park and look at people having oh, yeah. fun in the water park and then you're like, "Hmm. Water park?" The people watching options are endless. endless. Literally endless. We love it. I once saw somebody butt naked on a chair in the West Edmonton Mall. <laughs> asleep, actually. Butt naked and asleep. <laughs> um, um, a man or? A man, yeah. Of course it's a fucking man. Why did I even ask? Just balls to the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Yucky. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> interestingly enough about the West Edmonton Mall is that the smaller malls in Edmonton and the smaller shopping centers weren't really affected by this giant complex moving into the city. Hmm. Um, the smaller malls were generally able to maintain their local shopper base. The West Edmonton Mall catered more to tourists and brought in local people kind of for those like specialized stores that they have all the activities. So... It didn't have like the Walmart effect on the smaller malls, which I thought was kind of interesting. This model of a mega mall has also worked very well elsewhere, namely with the Mall of America in Minnesota, which is actually owned by the same company as West Edmonton Mall. They also faced, you know, a lot of the same challenges in the decline of brick and mortar and have continued to adopt new strategies and add inclusions to the mall to help ride the wave of the the decline so they also have an indoor theme park they have an aquarium the decline (laughs) they downhill skiing baby (laughs) i'm making fun of how you said decline (laughs) whatever whatever so the mall of america has an indoor theme park an aquarium and a miniature golf course they recently added new dining options and a comedy club They have also focused a lot recently on marketing and promotion and promoting the Mall of America as a destination rather than just like a shopping center. Mm -hmm. So they hold concerts and shows and all sorts of events to attract people into the mall. And so because Mall of America and West Edmonton Mall are owned by the same people, they are in competition to which one is the biggest mall in North America. Mall of Mm -hmm. America is at the moment, I believe, but... They're constantly expanding, so who knows? We'll see. Who knows? 
malls that are able to successfully diversify their offerings and become more of a destination for entertainment, for dining, for other events, are more able to attract a steady stream of visitors, even as the brick and mortar sales decline. Thank you. <laughs> this can work on a smaller scale as well. So like malls don't all of a sudden all need to turn into these like mega crazy giant entertainment spheres in order to survive. Simply by adding reasons for people to repeatedly come back to the mall is a really good way to stay afloat. As I mentioned earlier, oftentimes adding community services like libraries, necessities like grocery stores, or smaller scale entertainment venues like arcades or movie theaters, mini golf, could be a really easy ways to fill the anchor spaces, the anchor store spaces, and bring people back to the mall. This is especially valuable in places where there are extreme seasons because it's very nice on a cold winter day to go inside a warm building, do some shit for a couple of hours and not have to go back outside. Yeah. And I imagine it's very much the same in places that get very hot to enter an air conditioned building, do some shit for a couple of hours and not mm -hmm. have to go outside. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. So why exactly does diversification work? So other, other than the obvious of like not putting all of your eggs in one basket being a good idea, we're also seeing a shift in behavior among the target demographics for malls. So as people who frequented malls in the 80s and 90s sort of age and age, <laughs> the, the main people who go to the mall is, should be changing. For starters, consumers are now much more likely to shop in the smaller retailers that are at the mall than to stop in at the big department stores. Partially overwhelm, partially not what you're wanting to buy. I know Sears, before it closed down, was very much targeted towards older people. There wasn't any like, clothing that was terribly fashionable. Things were more old-fashioned. And as millennials and Gen Zs are now basically all adults, um, gross. a diverse space is much more attractive to people of these generations. Quite frankly, online shopping is easier, more convenient, it's cheaper a lot of the time. So to get us into the mall, you need to give us a reason to come to the mall. <laughs> I personally online shop because it allows me to access the sizes that I need, the styles that I want, and the ability to research a product before I buy it. So, you know, looking at reviews before I purchase something, reading up on other people's experiences. Mm. Gen Zs especially are much more likely to buy something if they have been recommended it by a friend or a trusted online person. They're very unlikely to buy something randomly that they've never heard of before, that they don't have any information on, which is often the case in a mall. You just have you take things on face value as they are on the shelf. Hmm. And I truly believe that this will continue with future generations as well. Because the upcoming generations have never known a world without the internet, without quick and easy access to things. Like they are going to utilize the benefits of, of the internet much more going forward. Yeah. We, as millennials and Gen Zs, we leave the house to be connected socially, to have fun, 
we can do our chores at home. We don't need to leave the house to do the chores. So we're not going to. So in conclusion, following the innovation and immersive nature of a Disney experience may well be the key to saving shopping malls as we know them today. Integrating technology and spending time being intentional with the offerings in the space are very important. Malls should work with the advent of new ideas rather than focusing solely on places to buy material items. Younger people as a whole are much more interested in spending money on experiences and are much more likely drawn into a place that can provide those needs as well, rather than just like a marketplace, essentially. Curating a brand recognition and a vibe <laughs> for the experiences is what people are looking for. So like the Bourbon Street at the West End, like the Parisian stores, you go there to feel it feel a certain way <laughs> the engulfed in the vibe yeah not to mention being that there are so many empty anchor storefronts these are perfect locations for a variety of different things like art exhibits co-working spaces vr experiences the list is really endless and the, yeah. these things are much more valuable to where we're going as people over overpriced seers old lady pants so let's yeah. think big let's utilize the spaces that we have and then maybe your malls won't die and this has been an essay by cat hell yeah i personally i have a very fraught relationship with malls because yeah. i hate driving so the idea of being able to leave my car somewhere and go to all the shops that I need to go to very much appeals to me. However, I also hate walking. And that's all you do in mm. malls <laughs> is walk. And, yeah. and so it's, it's, it's something that I um, f have very mixed internal feelings about. I mean, like the addition of in a mall, like on the scale of the West Edmonton Mall, that's yeah. fucking literally massive i think it's like i don't even know tens hundreds of thousands of square feet put in those walkways that they have it yeah all, um, at the airport and i i fuck with oh, that a little more golf carts a little tram system could work a tram a zoo that train would be so cute you know it would be so fucking cute yeah yeah i'd do that it would also make them more accessible to people with disabilities yep absolutely yeah yeah so if you liked this episode please follow us subscribe to us mm -hmm. give us a five star review on apple Podcasts and spotify and give us a thumbs up on youtube yeah you can follow us on instagram at sinistersisters.podcast mm -hmm. Check out our YouTube and TikTok channels, platforms at Sinister Sisters Podcast. You can send us emails at sinistersisterspod at gmail.com and request cases or topics that you'd like us to cover in the link in the description. And let us know what you think. Have you Yay! ever been to a, gi a giant mega mall? Did you love it? Is that something you'd like in your own community? 
Yeah. Have you even been to a small mega mall? <laughs> I, like, my local mall with the library also has, like, a theatre and an arcade. Makes it an more arcade? Oh, it's yeah. the theatre arcade, right? The theatre arcade, yeah. There's, like, four games. There's, like, ten. It's a small mall, okay? There's also a um, grocery store. Yes. And a liquor store. Important. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode, which is on Sunday, which is my episode, so we'll be talking Yay. about murder. Bye! Thanks, friends. Bye!